No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and joining me again this week on the program is nobody. This is continuing my deep dive into what funerals are, how they work, and what the nuts and bolts of them really should be that I would understand them to be because I generally don't get to go to them unless uh, something bad has happened in my life. And I would like that to be something that I could be able to unpack more without having to go through more personal trauma or tragedy. So this is my way of uh, digging into something that Frankly, we don't get to talk about very often unless we're in the depths of planning or having a particularly morbid conversation. So uh, join me as this week we look at what uh, cemeteries and generally the practice of putting a body in the ground is. Last week we talked about cremation and that got really gnarly. This week I want to look at uh, the flip side of that, which is kind of the conventional body in ground. So... Uh, before we dive into that, I want to say thank you, as always, for listening. It always amazes me that anybody would take the time out of their day to listen to this. It is not the most fun, uplifting thing to talk about generally, but I think given the right mindset and the right openness to it, you can kind of get some peace out of it, but it's really a matter of uh, how you handle the subject and how you approach it. You know, it's like the cave in Dagobah and the Empire Strikes Back. It's It only contains what you take with you, so if you approach this with an openness. Hopefully there's openness to be met with. If you approach this with fear, you're likely to have fear in your reaction to it or your response to it. If you approach it with denial or anger or uh, resentment, it's going to be difficult to find a kind of peace in this. So I don't necessarily think I'm treading any new ground, but this is my journey through examining what all of this is and what happens when we die. Because like the title says, no matter in life what you try to do, you are dead too. As I've said in the past, if you have questions, comments, concerns, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. I am certainly reachable by uh, Gmail or Twitter or Instagram. You can find me at Your Dead 2 on any of those various services, Y-O-U-R-E-D-E-A-D-T-O-O, either preceded or followed by an at symbol, depending on if it's Gmail, Instagram, or wherever you'd like to find me. I am finally considering opening up a Facebook page to handle some of this, but I... I for all of my digital footprint, I am hesitant to get into bed with Facebook with all that's going on with them at the moment. That said, if you'd like to let me know what's going on, if you've got questions, people you think I should get in contact with, articles you think would be interesting or relevant to the podcast, uh, please send them over. I'd be happy to hear them, happy to take a look, and uh, still working on my listener question, listener feedback uh, episode when I'm done with the funeral series here. But uh, as it is, let's dive in and talk a bit more about cemeteries. So let's put the fun back in funeral. Uh, cemeteries. This time we are looking at cemeteries, the place in the ground where you put a person. So broad definition, a cemetery or graveyard is a place where the remains of dead people are buried or otherwise interred. Uh, the word cemetery itself is Greek in origin, roughly translated as sleeping place, and it designates land that's specifically uh, allocated as like a burial ground and um it was referring to the Roman catacombs as well, that it was it's a place to sleep, to do the, the you know, the eternal slumber. Um, the term graveyard is often interused interchangeably with cemetery, but a graveyard primarily refers to a burial ground within a churchyard. So if you're looking at your stereotypical little Western um, European church with a small plot out back with a number of headstones dotting the property, that's a graveyard. Um, 
literally yard of graves, as opposed to a cemetery, which is uh, a broader sense of the term, allocated area. So um, either, you know, intact or, you know, integrally whole or cremated remains of people can be interred in a grave, um, a practice that we call burial. And um, there are variations on this. Again, of course, as we look at everything, there's above ground graves using a sarcophagus. There are mausoleums, which are big buildings in which you place multiple people. Um, there are columbariums um, or, you know, other artifices, basically plotting things out. It's just all how do you organize and how do you sort and plant all of this stuff that nobody wants to deal with or acknowledge. Um, the practice for this, the the art of this, you know, the, the emergence of this goes back to the Paleolithic era, so roughly fifteen to 14,000 years ago, somewhere in there, um, is the Tafaralt Cave in Morocco. Uh, it's generally regarded as the oldest known cemetery in the world. It's in uh, northern Uja of Morocco. Um, which is in North Africa, there are at least 34 uh, discovered and noted adolescent and adult human skeletons, a few younger ones as well, from uh, the Paleolithic era. So we know it predates any kind of modern humanity that we have whatsoever. And going into... Well, so to address that briefly, basically, there's a cave, there's a bunch of bodies. It's the oldest instance we have where we can say, these seem to be here for a reason and not just left out to the wild. Um, I'm going to take a brief side trek to look up quickly. <laughs> My phone's going to think I'm nuts. Um, let's see, monkey funeral. What happens if I dig this up now as this occurs to me? Yeah, apparently there's evidence of Langor monkeys grieving over a fake monkey. Um, yeah, there are uh, three animals that have funerals to grieve for the dead. Wow, I did not know that uh, monkeys were one of them, that they are. So that kind of answers my question. Is this something that we created whole cloth out of nothingness, or do other animals do this? I've known elephants to have this practice, and I know that um, some cetacean animals, whales and dolphins, will do this as well. So monkeys adds further credence to the notion of there is some kind of consciousness that recognizes there is something here, now there is something not here. The To um, crib from Kill Bill, the notion of the simplest metaphor that you can make is a goldfish flopping on a carpet and a goldfish not flopping on a carpet. Like, how do you clearly delineate what it is to be alive and not alive? And apparently animals can recognize that. So this is something that we trace back not just into our antiquity, but into like an evolutionary commonality of it's, if you trace those spokes back to the hub of the wheel, there seems to be some kind of divergent point where if we are related to cetaceous animals, when I say that, I'm going to firmly plant my foot in my mouth because I don't know enough about uh, mammalian <laughs> sea animals, you know, whales and uh dolphins and the like to make any bold claims about this, but there's certainly, if they share an ancestral link, you know, if we are not that unique from them in that they have live birth and they have body hair and they nurse their young, um, we would have a common ancestor with the monkeys as well. Elephants is obviously where it gets a little more difficult to 
to really give this theory any weight. And now I'm realizing I should probably shut up and move on. But the idea is that at some point long ago, there was a commonality among all these animals that something eventually gave rise to an animal that would recognize we should put this thing in the ground or we should observe and recognize that this thing is now no longer. So to broader look at this then, what is it to do a burial or interment? You know, it's a final disposition of putting a dead person or animal placed in the ground uh, either with or without objects depending on the custom and practice of your uh, designation but this is accomplished by uh, digging a hole placing a deceased person and potential objects into it and covering it over um, that's the most basic definition of it and yet there are still um, idiosyncrasies that you can place upon that such as um, you know green burials uh, or a natural burial where there is really nothing done to the person and nothing done to protect or cover so it's just body in the ground or there is sky burial where you just have the body lie out in a uh, natural environment and let nature and the elements and the sky basically reclaim the body as it um, decomposes and fades away as far as the funeral custom applies to it uh, We've been burying our dead since shortly after the origin of our species is how it's generally understood based on fossil and uh, archaeological record. It's seen as far back as we can tell as indicating respect for the dead, and so that, that reverence has that fascinating twist of it's an animal looking at itself. You know, it's the universe experiencing itself subjectively of giving rise to this thing, this awareness that as it looks upon itself, it recognizes that it wants to have some kind of observance for what is no longer there or recognition of loss, which I just, again, I find fascinating. Um, there's the practicality that we've talked about, you know, preventing exposure to toxins or decay and there's the emotional practicality of it of giving the family of the deceased closure and having to witness the decomposition of their loved ones. Um, and culturally, it's seen as a required step for entering the afterlife, which is a huge leap in what we're talking about here, but that's an undeniable part of it that we have to acknowledge that if we're going to be talking about putting somebody in the ground that this is what happens that we that this is part of the reasoning behind it and I stand on the shoulders of giants not in a vain way or arrogant way of just knowing that I'm I'm the product of my time it's 2019 as I speak this and I have a different perspective than somebody in the 1800s versus somebody in the 900s versus somebody in antiquity beyond that I am not looking down on this at all. I, I'm fascinated by where this comes from, and so I want to better understand what we do. So anyway, that's all a sidebar. Um, different types of things that you do to the body at the time are, you know, embalming, mummification. Uh, we can look at putting shrouds or coffins. There are grave liners, burial vaults. All of these different elements have informed what a burial is. Um, the area that you do this in um, may be consecrated or sacred depending on how you're treating it as a culture and again if this is a religious place if it's a 
casual or less stringent thing. You can have them wherever they need be, like a designated area, but they were often associated with churches, therefore uh, the graveyard that we've talked about. Um, most cultures document the locations of their graves. They don't just anonymously do it. You know, They don't just dig a hole and put somebody in and say, I hope nobody finds this. Um, headstones are, again, across many cultures, which is just, I'm curious where the tradition first emerged, you know? So these reasons that we're laying out here, there's respect for the physical remains. You know, if, if left lying on top of the ground, scavengers and vermin or whatever may have you uh, may actually eat the body, which is considered disrespectful to the deceased in many, but not all cultures. So like I said, the sky burials, which are of Tibetan culture, um, they return the mains to the cycle of life and acknowledge the body as a, a food or, or, you know, it's universality of we are not special and elevated beyond this. We are part of the cycle. So it becomes this core tenet of the Buddhist practices, um, similar to Zoroastrianism, where burial and cremation were seen as um, impure because the human remains are polluted while the earth and fire are considered sacred. So there's this give and take of how people perceive the interaction with different elements of the world that they're in. Uh, burial can also, like I said, bring closure to the family of the deceased. Uh, psychologists from Western Judeo-Christian quarters, as well as the U.S. funeral industry, adhere to the notion that by interring a body away from plain view, the pain of losing a loved one can be lessened, basically out of sight, out of mind. It's an adaptive coping technique that we have to basically deny our mortality, as we've talked about previously, it's not a fun thing. People, all of our existence, all of what we do is in denial of the notion of uh, we're all going to die someday, which is why we all blush away from this topic. So, uh, like I said, also many cultures believe in an afterlife, and burial is sometimes believed to be a necessary step for the individual to reach said afterlife. Um, Christian background, specifically the resurrection of the body, um, for a long time in Christian faith, it was, as we talked about with cremation last week, seen as taboo to cremate the body or as seen as a, a punishment to prevent the resurrection of the body after death. So this is a way to ensure, like, it's almost a simplistic view of you put the body in the ground and somehow that facilitates God's will to resurrect somehow. Like, you have to have the body placed. There's, again, these, these idiosyncrasies, these little specific things just blow my mind. Um... And then there's just the practicality of it. Uh, unpleasant gases related to decomposition, um, smells getting into the air. People just don't want to be around this morbid, uh, unpleasant experience. So as we have moved about as species, we are generally surrounded by soil. Um, it's not water world yet, but we're working on getting there. Um, unless we do anything about global warming, which is a whole separate topic about our own mortality and our existential crisis. That gives me plenty of anxiety. But uh, where there are people, there is dirt, whether it's sand or what. But people are burying their corpses in the soil. So the roots of burial as a practice reach back into the Middle Paleolithic, like we talked about, and um, coincides with the appearance of Homo neanderthalensis and Homo sapiens in Europe and Africa, respectively. So those two emergent species, as they um, developed as part of the evolutionary track, they both displayed the uh, 
predilection for burying their dead, and as a result, burial grounds are found throughout the world. Uh, through time, mounds of earth, temples, caverns were all used to store dead bodies of our ancestors, and um, in modern times, the custom of burying dead people below ground with a stone marker to indicate the burial place is used in most cultures, although, uh, like we said last week, cremation is a more dominant path in other cultures. Um, so it, whether it's heavily ritualized or simply practical, there are different aspects that we have to address here. So it's a common misconception that graves have to be dug to a depth of six feet. Um, that's kind of the, uh, you know, back of the envelope calculation. Everybody says, well, you got to be six feet deep, or it's the colloquialism, the cultural phrase. This is, um, it's a euphemism for death, you know, being six feet under. Um, in fact, graves are rarely dug to this depth, except when it's intended to be later used as another spot, basically. Um, if it's going to be multiple bodies stacked up, which frankly is not that common. Um, in the U.S., there is no actual nationwide regulation for burial depth. Uh, each local authority, uh, either state level or uh, county, or municipality is uh, free to determine its own rules. So requirements for death can vary according to soil type and method of burial. California, for instance, uh, requires only 19 inches of soil above the top of a coffin. So basically a foot and a half. That is wild that you can just go that shallow. It seems like you could practically dig your way out of that if you had to. And that's a little comforting, I guess. Um, but we'll talk um, at a later date about being buried alive and what that means. Uh, more commonly, it's 30 to 36 inches required um, in many other places. You can consider that a safe rule of thumb if you don't know where how far down to go. You don't necessarily have to do the six feet that we assume you need to. Um, some area central Appalachia, for example, um, graves are in fact dug to a depth of six feet to prevent the body being disturbed by burrowing animals. So... Um, Anything that would dig deep enough into the earth. I know in Wisconsin, for example, we have badgers that dig into sides of hill. Um, but once metal caskets and concrete vaults were starting to be used, that was considered unnecessary. So it's not as common of an enforcement. Um, in the UK, soils required to be a depth of three feet above the highest point of the coffin, which I hadn't considered that you would not do it level. But I suppose you could certainly go at an incline, although I'm horrified to think of why that might be. Um, the earliest known reference to a requirement of a six-foot burial occurs in 1665 during the Great Plague of London. Uh, John Lawrence, the Lord Mayor of London at the time, ordered that the bodies of plague victims, quote, shall be at least six foot deep, end quote. Uh, city officials apparently believe this would inhibit the uh, spread of the disease, not realizing that the true method of transition uh, or transmission of the disease was fleas living on rats in the streets. Um, but there were so many victims that people were very frequently buried in multiple uh, individuals per grave, and uh, frankly, most were placed in massive plague pits, so it's unlikely that this event alone gave rise to the six feet under tradition. Natural burial, also called a green burial, is the process by which the bodies return to the earth to decompose naturally in the soil, and in some cases even protect uh, native and endangered wildlife. It became popularized in the UK in the early 90s by Ken West, a professional cremator 
uh, operator for the city of Carlisle, responding to the UK's call for changes in government that aligned with the United Nations Environmental Programme Local Agenda 21. Um, in addition, there are multiple green burial sites in the United States. Green burials are developing in Canada as well as Australia and Ireland. Um, the increase in popularity of alternative burials can be seen as a direct choice of the individual's want to distance him or herself from religious practice and spiritual locations as well as an opportunity to exercise their act of choice. So the desire to live through nature, as well as a concern for the environment, has been found to be the backbone of the green burial movement. Uh, the use of coffins from alternative materials such as wicker and biodegradable materials, as well as trees and other flora, are being used in place of headstones. Both practices are... Uh, giving sustainable alternatives to traditional burial practices as opposed to putting just a concrete and metal slab into the ground, which can be disruptive to the environment, understandably. Um, it's also more economically practical, frankly. Um, as we talked about in the cost of a funeral episode, it can be prohibitively expensive, especially if you are in any way... in any way not... Uh, planned for you know the funeral that basically it's it hits you for 10k and you don't realize that this is coming up that it's it's something that you can feel really caught off guard by there's a number of different ways that you can do the natural burial you can do um being essentially <laughs> your remains your cremated remains your cremains are mixed in with concrete and then placed into a mold to basically make you into a memorial reef that can be um place down among coral to help repair damage done to the coral reefs. There is also um, alkaline hydrolysis, uh, which is also known as resumation. Uh, the body's put in an enclosed stainless steel chamber, and then it's filled with uh, the chemical and water solution and is lightly circulated, and after a couple of hours, the body is worn down and the bone is the only thing that remains. Uh, the bones are then pressed down into a powder and returned to the associated family. Um, the outcome is comparable to cremation, but the results are uh, much different in that it's environmentally, environmentally friendly and doesn't release chemical emissions and greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So basically fancy whirlpool and it just breaks you down into nothingness, which is wild. I, I just, I had no idea. Uh, mushroom burials is something else that's been developed that you can do an infinity burial suit. Um, developed by J. Rim Lee and her colleagues to address the impact of traditional burial techniques, that basically you are buried in a suit that is seeded with mushroom spores, and as the mushrooms grow, they consume the remains within the suit as well as the toxins that are being released by the body. Um, so it's a new way to think about the uh, relationship between the body and the environment. There's tree pod burials where your ashes and remains are placed in a fetal position in an egg-shaped pod, and then the pod containing the body forms a biodegradable capsule that won't harm the surrounding earth, and from that you grow a tree. Uh, this method originated in the UK and is becoming a more popular method of burial. Um, as far as body positioning, I made reference to this from the levelness of a coffin, um, burials may be in a number of different positions. Bodies with the arms crossed date back to ancient cultures um, like the Chaldea in 10th century BC where the crossed X symbol um, symbolized their sky god. Uh, later Egyptian gods and royalty um, from approximately 3500 BC are shown with crossed arms such as the god Osiris, Lord of the Dead, or uh, mummified royalty with crossed arms in high and low body position depending on the dynasty. 
um, burial of bodies in the extended position, so lying flat with your arms and legs straight or with the arms folded on the chest and the eyes and mouth closed. Um, supine or prone, you know, so lying on your front or lying on your back. Um, in a lot of cultures, though, being buried face down shows disrespect. Uh, Sioux culture, for example, uh, is really, that's considered disrespectful to bury somebody face down. Uh, Chinese, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Jesus, not Chinese, Christian burials were made uh, east-west with the head at the western end of the grave. This mirrors the layout of Christian churches, and for much of the same reason uh, for viewing of uh, Christ coming on Judgment Day. So these things considered... Apart from sanitary and other practical considerations, the site of burial can be determined by religious and sociocultural considerations. Um, in a lot of traditions with animalistic logic, the remains of the dead are banished for fear that their spirits would harm the living if too close. Um, others keep their remains close to help surviving generations, so it really is dependent on how you view the spirit of the deceased and how its uh, behavior can impact the world beyond their life. Uh, religious rules may prescribe a specific zone, so the Christian tradition holding that the Christian must be buried in the consecrated ground, usually a cemetery. Um, an earlier practice, burial uh, in or very near the church, was generally abandoned with the individual exception as a uh, high posthumous honor. Uh, royalty and nobility often have uh, traditional sites of burial, generally monumental, um, like a cathedral or a palatial chapel. In North America, private family cemeteries were common among wealthy landowners during the 18th and 19th centuries. Uh, many prominent people were buried in private cemeteries on their respective properties, sometimes in lead-lined coffins. Many of these family cemeteries were not documented, though, and were therefore lost to time and abandoned, uh, their grave markers having long since been uh, stolen by vandals or covered by forest growth, but their locations are occasionally discovered during construction projects, so you'll hear about somebody making a parking lot and finding a uh, historical record of people being buried there. Most modern cultures mark the location of the body with a headstone, as I said earlier, um, so it serves two purposes. First, the grave will not accidentally be exhumed. Um, a, just double tap. You don't want to make sure somebody's going to be digging up the same spot. And B, you want to be reverent to the dead. So second, uh, a headstone contains the information or tribute to the deceased. This is a, a form of remembrance for loved ones. It can also be viewed as a form of immortality. Um, it's been said you die two deaths, once when your body dies and then again when your name is spoken aloud for the last time. Um, in many cultures, graves will be grouped so the monuments uh, make up a necropolis, a city of the dead, paralyzing, or I'm sorry, par paralleling the community of the living. Um, in many cultures, graves are marked with durable markers and monuments intended to help remind people of the buried person. An unmarked grave is uh, a grave with no such marker. Um, anonymous burial is a type where there's an anonymous marker, such as a simple cross, uh, boots, rifle, and a helmet for a soldier, sword and shield, um, or more simplistically, a cairn of stones or some kind of monument, uh, basically a pile of rocks. Um, that can occur when the identification of the deceased is not possible due to circumstances beyond your control. So um, many unidentified deceased are buried in potter's fields, which uh, some are memorialized, but especially in smaller communities, in the case of death, 
that is actually publicized by local media. Um, anonymous burials can happen in poorer or disadvantaged populations, um, particularly where they're uh, too poor to afford headstones. We talked a bit last week about cremation and, um, or rather two weeks ago, about what, what happens when you can't pay and what happens when you basically can't afford or can't claim a body and that that's one of the routes that you'll have to go. Um, flip side being cremation. Um, I don't want to talk about live burials today. Um, so let's look at modern times now. Uh, starting in the early 19th century, burial of the dead in graveyards began to be um, the tradition that was dropping in favor in Western culture due to the rapid population growth in the early stages of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, additionally, infectious disease outbreaks near graveyards were increasingly a factor as well as limited spaces. Um, in many European states, burial in graveyards was basically outlawed altogether through legislation. So instead of these graveyards, completely new places of burial were established away from heavily populated areas and outside of old towns and city centers. Um, many of these new cemeteries became municipally owned and were run by the corporations, um, independent of the churches and churchyards. In some cases, skeletons were exhumed from the graveyards and moved into ossuaries or catacombs, um, under, underground uh, areas that were dug out specifically to house the dead. Um, a large action of this type occurred in the 18th century in Paris, where human remains were transferred from graveyards all over the city to the catacombs of Paris, and uh, the bones of an estimated 6 million people are to be... Uh, estimated to be there. So I can certainly talk at length about that in a future episode. Uh, an early example of landscape-style cemetery is Père Lachaise in Paris. The, um, it was the embodied idea of state rather than church-controlled burial, so it's a, con a concept that spread through the continent of Europe with the Napoleonic invasions. They brought that idea to everybody else. Um, in Britain, the movement was driven by um, people who were objecting to public health concern, they were looking at burial ground for religious backgrounds of all people. Uh, in the first 50 years of the 19th century, the population of London more than doubled from 1 to 2.3 million. Um, small parish churchyards were rapidly becoming dangerously overcrowded, and decaying matter was just, frankly, infiltrating the water supply and causing these uh, micro-epidemics of, uh, for example, cholera in 1831 killed 52,000 people in Britain alone. Um, putting an unprecedented pressure on the country's burial capacity. Um, as far as types, uh, urban cemeteries are located in the interior or, you know, within the city limits of a village, a town, or city. Um, they were the churchyards. They've gotten away from that, you know, into modern age now. They were considered more sanitary to have a place to safely put the dead and they were considered more aesthetically pleasing in that it was maintained and looked after and able to be properly managed by a company. Um, corpses were typically buried wrapped in cloth since coffins, burial vaults, and above-ground crypts were um, inhibiting the process and uh, slowing down the decomposition process. Rural uh, cemeteries typically are just placed beyond the city limits and are designated as such with uh, broader tracts of land. It's obviously more a matter of you have the land outside of the city to work with. I grew up in a small town. The cemeteries were typically beyond city limits or um, 
certainly not in the center of town. It was considered a place that you would go outside of the limits of the town. As far as digging the actual grave, cemetery authorities typically employ a number of uh, full-time staff or caretakers to dig the graves. Uh, the term grave digger is still used in casual speech. You know, it, basically it can kind of feel like a colloquialism if you slip into it. Um, but a lot of cemeteries have adopted the term caretaker since the duties often involve maintenance of the cemetery grounds facilities rather than just digging a hole. Um, so the employment of skilled personnel for the preparation of graves is done not only to ensure that the grave is dug in the correct location and the correct depth, but also to relieve families from having to dig the grave for a recently deceased relative and as a matter of public safety to prevent inexperienced visitors from injuring themselves and to ensure unused graves are properly covered and to avoid legal liability that could ever result if anybody was injured in the event of uh, digging or un uncovering a grave. Uh, we talked a bit about the depth that they must be. Uh, generally, there must be six inches between each coffin, uh, which on average are 15 inches high, but Americans are straining the limits of that system, uh, certainly as we get larger. If the soil is free-draining and porous, meaning if water moves through it smoothly, only 24 inches of soil on the top is required, um, allowing for natural erosion of the water through the, uh, through the surface of the soil. Um, has been a problem in flooding and areas of environmental disrupt that graves have, or you know, coffins have floated back up to the surface. Certainly, after the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, that was a real problem that didn't go reported highly in the news because it was so uh, considered distasteful, or people didn't want to acknowledge it. Frankly, um, as far as um, other factors that people have to deal with, there's not only just the, the practicality of space, but um, the issue of cost. So it's the single payment at the time of burial, typically for many people, but the cemetery authority incurs expenses in the maintenance over extended periods of time. So basically it's just a plot of land that you have to keep tending and keep watching and keep paying on. Um, that's really the accumulated funds that they have from burials aren't sufficient for the cost of the long-term maintenance. So the shortfall of uh, funds for maintenance results in three main options. So either charge much higher prices for new burials, um, getting some kind of public subsidy, or just neglect maintenance. Um, for cemeteries without space for new burials, the options are even more limited. Public attitudes towards subsidies are really dependent on the environment and the community of the area. Um, people buried in... Uh, Public subsidies of local cemeteries are concerned with the neglect of maintenance and usually argue in favor of the subsidy. Um, but again, it's, it's really what the community can support and afford. Um, but there's also, frankly, the amount of land. In a lot of larger towns and cities, the older cemeteries were initially considered to be too large to ever run out of space for new burials, and uh, there's no vacant adjacent land available to extend the cemetery or uh, land in the general area to create new cemeteries. So new cemeteries are generally established on the periphery of towns and cities where large tracts of land are still available. However, people often wish to be buried in the same cemetery as other relatives and are not interested in being buried in new cemeteries with which there is no connection to their family, uh, creating pressure to find more space in existing cemeteries. There's also just simply the maintenance of the monuments and headstones, which are generally the responsibility of the families, but often become 
neglected over time. Uh, decay and damage through vandalism or cemetery maintenance practices can render monuments and headstones either unsafe or at least unsightly. On the other hand, some families don't uh, forget the grave and constantly visit, leaving behind flowers, plants, and other decorative items that uh, can create their own maintenance problems. Uh, as far as superstitions go, I mean, I'll briefly touch on this, but again, I want to focus more on uh, <laughs> on premature burials for next week. But uh, in many country cemeteries are places to believe, uh, believe to hold superstition and legends based on them, uh, usually at nighttime or uh, as an altar in supposed black magic ceremonies or uh, devil worshiping, grave robbing, um, kids playing in them. I mean, I'm, <laughs> it's such a rabbit hole to go down. I want to just focus on funerals and burials for this week, and we can talk about uh, resurrectionists another time, but that's a whole fascinating facet of this. But for this week, let's just keep it to the limited burial practices that we've talked about so far, and next week we can talk about um, premature burial, shall we say. So we'll leave it here, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.